I want to jump into it. It might be a short message, but let's jump into it. Revelation 2, 18. This is the NIV. I had to change it up. We're going to go into the NIV. But Revelation 2, 18 says, To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your servants and perseverance, and that you are doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating foods sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I'm not talking about Jezebel. Because she is in the topic of what I want to talk about. But if you go to verse 20, it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate. The NLT says that you permit. And another translation says that you allow. So the word tolerate sticks out to me because you're not just allowing, you don't agree with it and you're letting it happen. That's what the word tolerate means. You don't, you're, not in with, you're not in agreement with it, but you're just tolerating it like it's some type of wound. And it's not about Jezebel. I wanna, tonight I kind of want to talk about, um, basically we're talking about the, the mind of Christ, having the mind of Jesus, but... One of, the, one of the biggest issues is that we don't, we, we, we genuinely tolerate the enemy on a regular basis. And the enemy, and the enemy's tactic is very, very plain. It doesn't take him that much to show it off. And we, a lot of the times, Tolerated, and what I mean by tolerating, I could it could mean a ton of things. It could mean tolerating a thought, tolerating an action, tolerating a behavior. It could mean a plethora of things. But the enemy is behind all of it. Any type of behavior or action that happens, the enemy's naturally behind it. And the the point of this message tonight is, I want you to get to the point where it's like, oh, you know. If the enemy's attacking me, that's okay. I want you to get to the tonight, by the end of the tonight, I want you to get to the point where you can say, enough. I'm stop, it's stopping tonight. I'm not allowing this to continue. That's what I want you to get to the point to. To say enough. And maybe there are some things that you might believe that's, that the scriptures genuinely do not teach. Maybe there's some things that you might think, like it bothers me 
that there are some people with either a, a, a coffee in their hand or, or an iPhone in their pocket proclaiming that poverty is a blessing. You go to Costa Rica and go ask those people if poverty is a blessing. Go to Puebla, Mexico and ask them. I've seen people not even in homes, even, even in the homes they had weren't even like insulated. They had things that weren't even like, like built as a regular house. You go and ask them if poverty is a blessing. And it's so funny, people genuinely believe that, that some of these things are good. But here's the funny, here's the funny thing. What I want to say about that is that um, the abundance of money does not mean you love Jesus or the lack thereof. What I'm trying to say is that you cannot take something in scripture because you can't say poverty is a blessing. You can't just say richness is a blessing either. Scripture doesn't promise a million dollars. But what David did say is he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed break bread. Paul the apostle said, I have, been, I have learned to be content with a lot and with a little. The word prosperity has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with contentment. Having enough in your life to accomplish the will of God. That's true prosperity. I don't know what you've embraced in that, but for you to be content in your life, because Paul said, I've, I've been content with a lot of things and with little things. With that lot and little, I was content. I was content. Complaining about not having enough or spending too much is in the same bracket of not being content. I don't know what you've embraced. I don't know, I don't know what the things you maybe embrace in your household. I don't know. But there are some things where you got to say like, no, like I'm not going to, I don't receive that. I'm not going to take that for me. I'm redeemed. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I'm actually going to say so. I'm going to open my mouth up and live differently. It's stopping. It's stopping tonight. I'm going to say no to what the enemy's trying to block in my life. And it could be anything. And I'm going really slow with this because I want the Lord to speak. And one of the one of the biggest things, like 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 you've heard you've heard this phrase. Maybe you said this to yourself, like, "Oh, my mom and my dad dealt with this, so I'm going to deal with this." Or I, I've seen other people deal with this, and maybe I will deal with this. Where did Jesus ever say that in His Word? I'm going to be just like so-and-so. Where did Jesus ever say that? My grandparents have had cancer and so will I. Where did Jesus ever say that? Where did he even say that in his word? He gave his disciples new names. That's what Jesus did. He gave his disciples new names. Because when you come to Jesus, you actually have a new identity and it's his perspective about you. It's his perspective. Because here's what happens. This is what I've also learned. 
lies are one of the biggest pillars for a stronghold in your mind. And what I've learned is this. You have to learn to not tolerate the enemy anymore. There are some lies you believe that is crumbling you. And then you ask somebody, what do I do with it? You cast it down. You fight it. Get the word of God in your mouth. Turn on worship at your house. If you can't stu- if you can't do that, how can you overcome sin? If you, yes, Jesus paid it at the cross, but now he's given you the spiritual fortitude by the Holy Spirit to overcome that. And if you are continuing to do that without having true power in your life, how can you overcome that? How can you do that? How can you, how can you, how can you run a, a business without going insane? I, I know two businessmen in my life, one that's saved, one that isn't. One of them is still sane. One of them hasn't gone crazy. Because running a business, leading a church, that's not easy. It's a heavy task. Everything as a leader or a businessman, everything falls on you. So how can they steward that if they can't steward their own house? How can you, how can you really lead someone to Jesus if you're not leading yourself to Jesus every day? Think about that. How can you, how can you genuinely love someone if you're not being loved by Jesus? Or you're not telling Jesus, I love you. How can you do that? We would be more loving to others if we really accepted the love of Jesus in our own life. That's overcoming that. And this is what this is where I think this is where we lose. I sense that, and this this is for everyone. I don't care who it is. You have you have either stopped making or never made the scriptures your standard. And so people are your standard, whether it's, a, whether it's a friend, a family member, whatever. And you've made them your standard. And so, what so their issues seem normal to you, but you don't see them in the life of Jesus. So because, you're, because Jesus isn't the standard and they are, you become numb to some dysfunctions. That's what I talk about tolerating. When you see things through the eyes of Jesus, some of us have lost that spiritual fortitude to go, no, I'm not receiving that. What you're doing is not cool. We've lost that because because we love them. Because we love them. I'm not going to say anything about it. But in all reality, you're just allowing sin to encamp in your own place. Because if you're allowing and tolerating others' dysfunctions, you're willing to allow and tolerate your own dysfunctions. And that's where the Lord wants to break you out of that. It's just layers and layers of things. If you're tolerating others, you're tolerating yourself. I'm not saying you need to be perfect, but there's a holiness you need to live in. There's a difference between trying to be perfect and being holy. 
because you're already righteous. The Bible says righteousness is just being in right standing with the Lord. Doesn't mean we think righteousness means being better than people. I'm no better than any of you. I could tell myself I'm the worst out of y'all. But I know I'm in right standing with the Lord. That's what makes me righteous, not what I do, but who I am. But who I am should flow out what I do. Because if you claim to be that, the fruit can come out. That's what a tree, that's what a tree does. A tree is planted and it bears fruit. What kind of fruit does it bear? So my question is, what fruit comes out of your life? What fruit comes out of your life? What are you constantly putting in your mind? What are you tolerating? And you become numb to those dysfunctions. There are things that I have tolerated in my life with the enemy, with people in my life. And what I've learned is that that's what's stopping true abundance that's what's stopping true abundance in my life is allowing those things to stay and to cripple my spirit you might not think it's crippling your spirit but the enemy works in a way where he will make you numb to things that's why you don't know because you're numb to it And I believe the Lord wants to break that. I believe the Lord wants to truly break those strongholds. And I want to talk about that too. I want to talk about strongholds. You can turn to 2 Corinthians 10. That's where I want to land at. 2 Corinthians. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. We do not wage war as the world does. Another translation says, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons we fight are not weapons of this world, also meaning that they're not carnal. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God another translation says every lofty prideful thought that comes against the Lord and we take it captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ I've made this illustration before a stronghold is like a castle and here's how strongholds built 
A stronghold is built, and you need to understand this because this is how you can break the enemy stronghold. A stronghold is built by meditating on a lie and accepting it. Basically, the enemy's stronghold is built when you simply refuse to cast down a lie. And you telling yourself that you're jacked up all your life is a lie. It's a lie. Well, I'm like I said, even saying like like, oh, if my if my grandparents had cancer, if my mom's dealt with cancer, so will I. Where does the Lord say that in his word? Nowhere. Nowhere. The Lord doesn't say that anywhere. Oh, your mom had imbalances, so will you. Where did Jesus ever say that? You're never, you're never gonna feel the call of God in your life. You're gonna be just like your 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 dad. You're just gonna be just like this. Where did Jesus ever make a promise to his own? I will give you some examples. How how can how can Jesus call two fishermen sons of thunder? If you read the scripture, it's just two random fishermen brothers, and Jesus calls him calls them sons of thunder. Jesus constantly throughout his ministry was giving people he was spending time with brand new identities. Things that they would have never spoken over themselves. What about Peter? Dude, how can Peter as like like Peter Peter is as consistent emotionally as like a bouncy ball. <laughs> that dude was cutting people's ears off. The dude the dude didn't know when to stop talking. He told Jesus not to wash my feet, but they, okay, wash my feet like you're all over the place. And Jesus said, "You are a rock." Out of anybody of the disciples that didn't act like a rock, that'd be Peter. He was more like a tennis ball on fire. The dude was not a rock, but the Lord said he was. And guess what? If you read First and Second Peter, he ultimately became a rock. Nathaniel. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it. It's in the Bible, but I don't want to butcher it. But I think I think I know what I'm trying to remember the story. This guy takes Jesus to Nathaniel, who's from Na- who's I think he's from Nazareth, or he might he might have known of Nazareth. So this guy goes up to Nathaniel and he's like, "Man, like we we found the 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 Messiah, what the scriptures spoke of." And Nathaniel tells him, "Well, who is he?" And the guy goes, "Jesus of Nazareth." And Nathaniel goes, "Nazareth." Listen, listen to the wording of what he said. He said, "What good thing." He called the Messiah a thing. He didn't even have the respect of calling Jesus a person. He said, what good thing could come from Nazareth? It's not such a loving, humble statement. You know what Jesus tells him? Jesus said, he said, ah, I remember you. You were underneath, he was underneath the fig tree. He said, you're underneath the fig tree. He said, you said, he's, Jesus said to him, he said, 
This is a man with no deceit. In him, there is no guile. Basically, what he's saying is is that this is a man without deception, which is funny because he really was deceived in that moment. He said, what good thing could come from Nazareth? But the best thing came from Nazareth. But what blew my mind is Jesus spoke something to him that he wasn't in the natural in that moment. Jesus still accepted him. God called Gideon a mighty man of valor while Gideon was hiding. Gideon was in a war. And Jesus said, this is a mighty man of valor. He's a great warrior. Gideon was hiding from the armies he was fighting against. And the Lord called him a mighty man of valor. And some of us in this room are still believing lies. Call to Popo. This word's good. I hope nobody called him. Pastor Jacob's preaching a word. No. When that, when a lie comes up, and I've, I've talked about this before, I'm going to end it with this. When a lie, when a lie comes, because that one pastor said this, he said, I can't, I can't stop a bird from landing on my head, but I can stop it from building a nest. So lies come and go. That's the, that's the natural part of this fallen world and how your neural pathways work. You will have thoughts go back and forth, good ones and bad ones. And what you're going to have to do, this is what the scripture says, just like in 2 Corinthians 10, you have to proactively cast it down. That's a violent. The word cast is a violent verb. Casting it down, that means means you're putting it, I've said this before, you put it in your crosshairs and you cast it down. You don't just allow it to fester. You actually see it and you have to discern it. Okay, is this from the Lord? Okay, this is not from me. This is not from the Lord. I need to cast that down or take it captive and make it obedient to God's word. That's, that's how you renew your mind. Is when you see the lie, you refuse it. And here's the deal. It's going to come back. There's been lies I've had that I've had to cast down multiple times. But once I cast it down enough, the enemy got tired and he left with the lie. You have to say no enough. You can't just be passive. You can't just see what the lie is and be like, oh, well, maybe I can believe that. You can't just work on a maybe. Some of you are overthinkers because of the passive lies that you allow and tolerate. On another note, what's funny about the Lord is that what I've said this, I've talked about this a couple weeks ago, what he gives you is actually what you need from the comparison of what you thought you need. 
So what you think you need to be healed from is actually a symptom of a bigger issue. Like you thinking that how you are is because of your parents. How you are is because of your friendships. How you are is because of whatever. It's not because of that. It's because you allowed it in. You said, you basically said without realizing, come on in thoughts, have my mind. Come on in. Because you can block, if you can block the enemy's thoughts, you can block people's sayings. You can do that. But if you can't even just block the enemy that's constantly sending thoughts down your path, then then when it comes to others, you can't combat it because it's a what you allow. We have been taught, we have been taught to be fed like a baby when we're supposed to be leading like grown people in the thoughts. I can't take care of your mind. Your parents can't take care of your mind. Only you and the Lord can take care of your mind. I've given you tools that have helped me. Just like Jesus, when he was in the wilderness and he fought the devil 40 days and four nights. And once it got to that point, the enemy tempted him three times. What did Jesus do? Jesus had three scriptures against the enemy. Three. You won't remember 20. But my challenge is, is that you have five. That's what David had. Five smooth stones to kill the giant. He had five. If not, stay with one. If you're too stressed out about what's going on, whether it's a lie that's being brought to you, maybe it's a situation, you have to combat it with the word. There, there's going to be time and time again where you're going to try and calm yourself down and do all that. But that won't suffice in the end. You need to stick with the word. You got to fight the enemy back with the word. I've talked about it. You got to parry him with the word. You got to parry him with your faith and stab him with the word. You have to combat him with it. If you want to win in your mind, you have to combat him with the word of God. And guess what happens? When you start to destroy the stronghold that the enemy built, you start to build the tower of the Holy Spirit, the strong tower of the Holy Spirit. Now you start to build a house. Now you start to build a house. Now you start to build something that's going to be put for the Holy Spirit. And that's more important than anything. And that's how you live a spirit-filled life. Not because of how well you can look as a believer, what your heart is truly into it. You have the mind of Jesus. It's time to start living in that mind. Because there are things that you might be telling yourself or like lies you're believing. And it's costing you I'm serious it's costing you it's costing you relationships it's costing you your own sanity it's costing you a lot of stuff 
And I think the Lord wants to break that tonight. He wants you to read the word. That's why you need to be in the word. Every moment you get. Because if you're not in the word, you're losing. Because the enemy knows the word more than you do. And that's the str- And if he knows the word better than you do, then you need to get to work. And use the word. And use the word against him. He knows a lot, but you just need to know one verse that suits the situation in your life. That fits the moment in your life. Oh, I'm just going to be anxious all my life. I'm just going to be anxious driven. No, the Bible says I will be anxious for nothing and I will pray about everything. I will be anxious for nothing and pray about everything. So you use that scripture every single time you get anxious. Every single, it's not shutting down what's going on. It's you not allowing the enemy to torture you anymore. Be anxious for nothing and pray about everything. And the peace of God will supply all of what I need beyond the understanding. Beyond the understanding. You have the mind of Jesus. is to allow the Lord to help you break down strongholds. The goal of this Christian life, and this was just a teaching, basically teaching you how to renew your mind. That's what was being taught, is to renew your mind. Focus on the Lord. Maybe you've believed lies that maybe you're walking in it right now, but it's genuinely not true in the end. Because like Jesus, like what Jesus saw in Nathaniel, when he saw what he was in the potential because Jesus sees who you're going to be. That's why a lot of the times the Lord does not judge or doesn't condemn where you're at because he sees where you're going to be. A lot of people will judge you right now where you're at. But the Lord sees you in the end. where you are at the end of the end of the road so right now all the all you need to do in this moment to teach you how to do it I do it three ways 
tell the enemy no. If I feel too weak on it, I combat him with the word. If I don't have the word on me, I just say, Jesus, Lord, I need you. Those three things is how you can defeat the enemy. Because if you're in the spirit enough, you can just say no to the devil and he'll flee, he'll run. Because you're in that in tune with the Lord. But if not, maybe it's too strong of a situation. Maybe it's too strong of a temptation. Maybe it's something that's beating you on the inside. You need to combat it with the word. What does the word say about this? What does the word say about it? And if you don't have a scripture, if you don't have the strength, you just have to say, Jesus. The name of Jesus drives out demons. The name of Jesus casts down cast down every single power that comes against you. That's a given. The enemy wants you to think it's so complicated and the Lord is showing you it is, it is simple to where you can fight this thing head on. The Lord makes things so simple, y'all. And the enemy is so complicated that it stops us from seeing the true truth. So right now, whatever that thought is, whatever that prideful, lofty thought that the enemy is trying to use, are in the spirit enough you can tell him no I'm not receiving this anymore in Jesus name I'm redeemed I'm a child of God I am not receiving this junk if you can't do that write scripture down put it in your heart no devil the Bible says the word says this and if you don't have the power for any of that you can just say Jesus, Lord, I need you. The enemy is attacking me with this. Lord, I need you. I need your presence. Lord, come. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Just ask him in this moment, whether it's a scripture, whether it's you saying no in the, in the spirit, or whether it's you just praying, Lord, I need you. Just start with one thought. One lie you've tolerated. One lie you've allowed. One lie that you have just, you let it sit on that throne and it's time for it to get kicked off. I'm saying no right now. I am not what that lie is. by Jesus.
live in that past anymore. I don't live in that place anymore. I don't, I'm not in that anymore. Or just say, Jesus, I need you, Lord, Father. I need you in this time. I am weak in this place. Lord, I need you. Jesus' name. 